0: Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, Ephesians chapter 4. And these fellows have some Bibles, so if you don't have a Bible, we want you to own one so you can own this one. And it's marked at Ephesians 4. So get their attention as they make their way back, they'll get a Bible to you so that you can follow along as we look at Ephesians 4 today. Today is a time of remembrance not only because of the events of 9 11 but also because of what happened on 9-9, two days earlier ten years ago september nine two thousand one was the first service for community baptist church it's been ten years this weekend now we're going to have occasion for celebration as pastor matt mentioned on october second if you've not gotten your tickets for that i encourage you to do that we look forward to a great time together These last several weeks and months have been a time of reflection for me and probably for many of you as we approach this milestone in the life of our church. I thank God for all of you. I thank God for the people that he's given me to serve. I was just given another reminder yesterday of how God has and is molding us as his family. As we participated in the celebration of the homegoing of Nancy Stockdale. So many of you contributed to the meal, you came to the service, you composed and printed materials, produced the video presentation, and on it goes. And it was a pleasure for me personally to see that, but most important, I believe our Lord was pleased. God has given us a serving church. You've heard me give the statistic before, but between 70 and 80% of our congregation is actively involved in some aspect of the church's ministry. That's one of the many, many blessings that God has afforded us over these 10 years now. And that is partial fulfillment of the vision that we set out when we started. To be what I called back then a full-service church. Early on in the life of our new church plant, the couple dozen or so of us went through a series by that name, Full Service. In that title, I specifically chose to communicate a double entendre. A full service church means everyone serving fully and our church offering a full range of services. We've partially fulfilled that vision, in that a very high percentage of our congregation has responded by using their gifts and talents for Christ's mission. So for one half of that double entendre, we've been able to make great progress, most everyone serving. And if you're not, by the way, and you would like to, then give your name to the information center, or see Ken at his table set up over there he's our community service director and he will find a place of ministry for you the other half of that vision to be a church that offers a full range of services is something to which we largely still aspire let me take a few minutes to explain what kinds of services am I referring to and and that I did I refer to back at the beginning To be a church that offers a full range of services means we offer ministries to meet needs, not only those in our congregation, but for those outside of our congregation. What kind of needs are those? Well, there are needs that fit in the category of benevolence, and so angel food ministries or gleaners, needs such as training for family issues, on parenting, marriage. Needs like how to navigate the transitions in life, both those that come in natural phases when you graduate and when you get married and then you have your first child or children, midlife and retirement, but also the crises that occur in the course of living in a fallen world. Ministries that target the special needs of men and women. Counseling and help for those trapped in addiction. Help for those who've lost a loved one and are grieving. Help for those who are experiencing the pain of divorce. Outreach ministries to prisons, to inquirers through evangelistic studies in homes. Outreach to the community through things like sports for kids, upward basketball, upward soccer. That's a whole turnkey Christian thing. Ministry to our youth and the youth of our communities. Just having a, a place for our music team to, to rehearse. The range of, of services that we can offer is, is literally, lim, literally limitless. Ministries of, of in-reach and ministries of outreach, the only limit to what can be done is our sanctified imagination now that's what potentially can be done there's what can be done and there's what will be done and what will be done can be limited by resources of course if you don't have the human resources if you don't have people who want to serve Christ and give their time and talent to do that of course it will not happen but As I've said, we have that in large measure. Thanks be to God. But if you're going to reach that vision of full service, full ministry to the community, then at some point you're also going to need a place of ministry. A place that you have 24-7 and where you can have the youth center and the training and the counseling and the food bank and on it goes. A place that almost never sleeps. Because it's not just open two days a week. I've told you all for many years that churches waste resources by lavishing money into buildings that are open a couple of days a week. But rather it's open every day with ministry taking place. And I've called that future place a ministry center. You all have heard me use that phrase for years now. A ministry center. And I choose it carefully, I prefer that, I much prefer that to the church, because the church is here in this room right now. But it's a center, it's a place where ministry occurs and where training for further ministry outside those walls, it takes place as well. Since ministry in scripture is the same word for service, you could call it then a service center. With regard to a ministry or service center, I told you all at our servants seminars this past winter that by the end of this year we want to know what we're going to be doing with that, if at all possible. I updated those who attended our family meeting two weeks ago saying that we've been actively looking and we made some offers. These are offers that'll ultimately have to be approved by you, the church. I explained that we're looking for a place where we can conduct our ministry either all under one roof, if God makes something like that available to us, but failing that, then a place we can lease or buy that would accommodate six-day-a-week ministry while we meet at the schools on Sunday and Wednesday for our all-church gatherings. So over the next few months, that's going to become clearer as to how God is going to work that out for us. By His grace, we'll be able to fulfill that goal by the end of the year. And at least know what we'll be doing for the short term, if not the long term. Now I know that many of you are raring to go. Because you've told me. With targeted, what I call targeted ministries. Because you have some experience in your background. Or you have some talent, some burden that the Lord has given you to pursue. And we want, we dearly want to assist that. We want to be a part of that. And I encourage your creativity on how to do it even before we have a a ministry center. And if we don't have, if we don't end up by the end of this year with the ministry center all of us would like, then that's what the Lord has for us and it's only limited by our creativity. But as an illustration, the men's ministry, we're starting on Friday. It's something our church needs. It's something that we can as a church do to reach men in our community. But we've got the Allen Park uh, Recreation Center to do that, 6 a.m. It's creative, maybe dumb as well, but it's, no, it's not dumb at all. We're really, really looking forward to this. But there will still be challenges and limitations, some of which perhaps our creativity cannot overcome. It'll mean some of our targeted ministries will wait until we have those resources. In the meantime, we need to ensure that we fully resource, now hear this, fully resource and pursue with utmost commitment and quality what I call our general ministries. There are targeted ministries, and then there are what I call general ministries. Our emphasis for now is general ministry, that is ministry to what everyone needs. Those are the things that are staple for a church that absolutely cannot change. They are your discipleship ministries and the core classes that everyone needs to take and classes age-graded so that that kind of discipleship can occur for every person who walks through our doors. When you have your general ministries fully functioning and they are doing that in a quality manner as we do and you continue to improve and then you add a ministry center, a service center, You now have the human and capital resources to take the next steps. God has been very good to us in these 10 years. Thanks be to Him. And I am looking forward, very much looking forward to the fulfillment of our 15-year plan over the next five years together. I call these next five years third and goal. It's our third set of five years with the goal in view. We'll be talking about that a bit at our October 2 celebration dinner. But none of what has happened and none of what will happen in the future will occur apart from the supply of our gracious God. And so we need to ask Him. We need to ask Him to supply what we need in order to take the next steps, the next leaps in ministry to bring honor and glory to His name in our surrounding community, through this church. One of the things that would enhance that is indeed a service center, a ministry center. And he knows, the, he knows the giftedness, the abilities and the experiences of the people. He knows exactly who to bring you as well. He orchestrates all of that. And then when it happens, we give him the glory. So let's take a moment now to ask our God to supply everything that we need for us in his good time. Let's bow together. Father, again we thank you that we can come to you as our Father. The Lord Jesus said when he walked the earth, if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, How will your Father in Heaven not also give you all that you need? Everything is yours. You own the cattle of a thousand and ten thousand and all of the hills. You made it and therefore own it by right of creation. And you're redeeming it. You're using what you have made now and you are remaking it, redeeming it so that it is the original design that you have for your world and you're using us your people in your church to carry out that redemption we thank you for the grand privilege of being able to serve you we thank you our father for giving us experiences some of them difficult but all of them in your hand experiences in our lives that are now able to be brought to bear in service to others we thank you for the abilities And the gifts that you have provided each of us, that we can plug into ministry to bring glory to your name. We thank you for bringing us together. Everyone in this room represents a different, sometimes wildly different circumstances. But you brought all of us at a point in time to the foot of the cross, and then in your providence saw fit to bring us here over these past ten years. Thank you, Lord God, for what you have accomplished. It is all because of your grace and your mercy. And we praise you and we honor you. And we look forward to the next five years and the next ten years as you allow us to build on the foundation that has been laid. You know, Lord God, what we need. You know exactly what we need. You know the place we need to be. You know any of the people that we've not yet met who have the gifts that you've given them that they want to put to use in your work. And so, Lord, we ask you, supply the needs of your church to carry on your work and to bring you greater and expanded fame in your world. And, Lord, when you do this, your people will not take credit. We will not boast in ourselves, but let him who boasts boast in the Lord. We will give you the honor and the praise and the glory. We commit this to you with absolute confidence that you will give us all we need, when we need it, just as you have, so you will. Thank you, Lord God, for being not just our God but our Father and giving us the comfort of knowing that we serve in your sovereign hand. We pray all of this and ask all of this On the authority in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so, this is a good time for us to have a bit of what I call an interlude in our series in Ephesians. We have for many months been going through the book of Ephesians. The title of that series is on the screen behind me Your Place in God's Plan. But this is a good time for us to be reminded of our vision as a church to be a full-service church, one because of our 10-year anniversary, but also it's a good time because of where we are in our study of Ephesians. We've completed chapters 1 through 3 that tell us what God has done in eternity and in time past and what God is doing in time present to fulfill His purpose of having a people for himself, a people who are called out of the world to himself, a transformed people that the Bible calls the church. If you've come to Christ, then that work has been applied to you. And God has a mission for us as his people to fulfill. And then beginning in chapter 4 and verse 1, we are told, now given all that God has done for you, In eternity and in time, now verse 1 of chapter 4 says, now do this, live a life that is worthy, that is consistent of the calling that you've received. And from verses 1 through 16 of chapter 4, we're told that a life that is consistent with the calling we've received from God is a life that's characterized by unity among God's people. The reason for that is is that there is unity amongst the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. His people, therefore, need to be a unified people. Beginning in verse 17 of chapter 4, we're told that to live worthy, to live consistent of the calling we've received means that we are not only unified, but we are, are holy, that we live lives that are different from the surrounding, surrounding culture. If you look at verse 22, excuse me, verse 24, we're told to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 24, as I've been pointing out the last few weeks, says we're created to be like a God in true righteousness and holiness, so what does that look like? And beginning in verse 25 then, we're given an explanation of what it looks like to live a different, holy separate life from the surrounding culture verse 25 speaks of how we use our mouths and whether we use them for truth or otherwise and so we saw three weeks ago that the new you that you're to put on is to be characterized this holy life is to be characterized by truth and then in verses 26 and 27 it speaks of of anger and the fact that we are to put off anger and to put on conciliation. Or, as we said in the outline a couple of weeks ago, the new you wears peace. We're to be characterized by truth and by peace. And then last week in verse 28, let him who stole steal no more. but Let him work with his own hands that he may have in order to meet the needs of others. We saw last week that that means that we're characterized by generosity, by truth, and by peace, and by generosity. I want you to notice in particular the purpose statement of verse 28. Steal no longer, work, doing something useful, but here's the purpose statement, that he may have something to share with those in need. And so this is a good time for this interlude because we left off in verse 28. And the Bible's telling us in verse 28 that the purpose for which we are to work, or as I said last week, the purpose for which we are to try to create margin in our resources is so that we can use those resources to meet the needs of others. Now, the context of verse 28 is material resources, But as we're going to see over the next few weeks in this interlude, the Bible teaches that we should create margin in our time and with our talents as well. And so I invite you to begin with me today, a brief interlude over these next few weeks, focusing on what the Bible says about serving others. Now take a look with me at the next chapter, chapter 5. In verse 15. be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil now i'm going to make the case that meeting the needs of others is something that we should do as part of the mission that god has given us now how do i see that in chapter 5 and verse 15 be careful then how you live not as unwise But as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Opportunity for what? If you want to answer that question, one good way to do that is to look at another passage that I'm going to put on the screen in just a moment. But it's a passage from the book of Colossians. Some of you know this, but some of you may not. But Ephesians and Colossians are virtually identical to each other. If you were to read the six chapters of Ephesians and the four chapters of Colossians, you would find the same subject matter, for the most part, addressed in both of those letters. And so we're going to see a bit later things about fathers and children, family life. That's all in Ephesians 6. But you have that same thing in Colossians 3. Or you have issues addressed in Ephesians 6 regarding employment or slaves and masters in New Testament times. You have that same thing in the book of Colossians. You have some of the same phrases used in both of those. So when you get to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, we're told do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. As you, and then it talks about speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Well, I want to know what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And it's in the context of singing to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and I go to Colossians chapter 3 and lo and behold the same phrase Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs is used but instead of as in Ephesians 5.18 saying be filled with the Spirit Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 says let the word of Christ dwell in you richly what's it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Paul who wrote both letters is saying it's the same as letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly being controlled by the Spirit being controlled by the truth of the Word of God that the Spirit of God applies to the life of the believer and so you have these two parallel letters now Ephesians 5 and verse 15 tells us make the most of every opportunity notice what Colossians says Colossians says be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, and conversation is not just your, it's not just your speech, but it's your, it's your entire manner of life, certainly including your speech. And here, let your words as part of your overall life be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. But notice Paul says here in this parallel verse, be wise in the way you live and in particular be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. In Ephesians 5, he speaks mostly about our, our, our words. Colossians speaks of our word witness as well, but not just our word witness. Notice it's our deed witness also. Or to put it another way, living wisely toward outsiders, those who don't know Christ, means that we have to not only speak Christ, but we need to act like Christ before them. And acting like Christ before them is going to necessitate that we serve them as a serving church. One commentary, in case you think I'm making this up, says this about Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul's words imply that believers should conduct themselves so that the way they live will attract, impress, and convict non-Christians and give the unbelieving community a favorable impression of the gospel. The Bible tells us explicitly, as we have opportunity, let us do good to who? To all people. Now it says especially those who belong to the family of believers. There is a priority within Scripture. Needs within the church are to be met first. But the Bible is very explicit that we are to be people who are representing our gracious God and need to represent Him by the grace that we show to the surrounding community as part of what we do in living wisely in the world around us, making the most of every opportunity, doing good to all men. We want to be, by God's grace, a full-service church. Now, you see this throughout Scripture, and over the next few weeks, we're going to see it together. But let me begin by pointing to a passage in Acts chapter 3. Now, normally I don't make you flip around much uh, because I put the stuff on the screen, but this is 10 verses worth, so you have to turn to Acts chapter 3, okay? Acts chapter 3 and beginning at the top of the chapter, verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by his right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, we're not going to finish the outline that's inserted in your program. We're going to look at it over the next few weeks together. But I invite you to look at that outline because from this passage in Acts 3, we have a definition of what I mean by service or, or ministry. Service takes place when, and then this is actually under Roman numeral 2, so I didn't disguise it very well for you. But when divine resources, those divine resources meet human needs, through loving channels to the glory of God. Divine resources, human needs, loving channels, and the glory of God. And there's a full definition of ministry or service for you. I'd like to take credit for it, but I stole it from a book called On Being a Servant of God. And Acts chapter 3 has all four of those those elements in it. Now, Acts chapter 3, some of you, if you're thinking and if you're still awake, is dealing with a miracle. You go, we are going to have a serious ministry center if you can do that. So, Brown, are you going to start lining people up and laying hands on them and then they start jumping and praising God? This is a, a miracle, a direct act of God through human agency this miracle is done. And so, perhaps I don't need to, but let me just take a few moments to talk about why it is that God is still doing miracles, but He is not doing that through human agency. God still heals people, but He has to have divine healers like Peter and John. So God's not in a box, but God has determined that He is going to carry out His work in this day through the feet and hands of Jesus that are His church through non-miraculous means, we will help as we are able with things that God did very often through miraculous means. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that that's not happening? I'll do this as quickly as I can, but throughout Scripture there are, if you care to jot it down, really four periods. As you look chronologically, as the Bible unfolds its redemptive story, there are four periods of time in which you have miracles taking place in abundance the rest of the time and these are relatively short periods of time the rest of the time in scriptural history you don't have much or anything said about miracles but there are four epics four times in particular where this was was happening one of those was at the exodus in exodus chapter three you remember that god tells moses to go to pharaoh and tell him to let my people go And Moses is making as many excuses as he can for why he shouldn't go. You come to chapter 4 and verse 1, and Moses says, well, what if they ask me who it is that that sent me? And in verses 2 through 9 of Exodus chapter 4, God gives Moses three miracles to perform to show that he is God's authorized representative. And so the time of Exodus... So that Moses could be identified as God's messenger, as God's prophet, God's spokesperson. God did these miracles during the Exodus. And of course, we know the plagues that he brought upon Egypt and all of that, right? So that's one era. And then you have another in the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. They have a ministry to the northern kingdom in Israel. I won't go into to all of that. who have backslidden. From, from God and as they perform this, as they perform this, this ministry, God attends their ministry and authenticates their message as His prophets through miraculous signs. Now, you had a lot of prophets that came after Elijah and Elisha. None of them, or except one I'm going to show in a moment, very few of them did the kinds of things that Elijah and Elisha did. Why? Because God had already established, these are my prophets, they speak through, for me through the miracles that attended the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. Then you have another period in Daniel's time. Daniel was carted off to Babylon, you may recall, and God performed many miracles before pagan Babylon to show who the true and living God is, and Daniel and the three Hebrew children as his representatives. And then most importantly, and no other time in history compares, even close, to the fourth period and penultimate, I just like to say penultimate, period. Ultimately, the Lord Jesus is going to return. He's going to restore all things and he's going to heal every broken body. He's going to raise all that know him from the dead. And he gave a down payment on what he will do in mass in the future when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And there was an explosion of miraculous activity in the ministry of the Lord Jesus and in his first followers, the apostles. A time that has not been seen since and nothing close. And it will not happen again until the Lord Jesus returns. And the Lord Jesus went around healing and his apostles healed and you come to Acts chapter 3 and you have the apostles healing And so these miracles authenticated the ministry of the messengers that God sent I want you to notice something about the character then of these miracles though most often these miracles were done to alleviate some form of human suffering have you ever thought about that See, if God's only purpose was to say, this is my guy, well, then he doesn't have to do that through healing somebody, does he? If his only purpose was to say, this guy's special and he has my seal of approval, he can levitate a building. Wow, look at that. You better listen to this guy. Now, sometimes there were these just marvelous manifestations of God's power in the time of Elijah and Elisha. There's an axe head that floats. Showing God's power. But most often, it was not only authenticating, that was the primary purpose for the miracle, authenticating the messenger, but it also alleviated some form of human suffering. It was a healing. It was a resurrection from the dead. It was feeding people. Why do you think that is? Because our God is moved with compassion at the needs of people. And we do through non-miraculous means what they did through miraculous means. And God calls us to meet needs when we are able to do so. And in order to do that, we have to have the, all four of the elements in that definition of ministry. Divine resources, human needs, loving channels to the glory of God. Now, quickly, I want to give you one illustration of how we're to view the divine resources that God has given us at our disposal, and then we'll continue next week. But you all remember the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000? It's recorded in three of the Gospels. John chapter 6 is one such place. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus has these throngs of, of, of crowds. They've been with him most of the day on a hot day. They are hungry. And Jesus' apostles say, they're hungry, we need to get them food. And Jesus says, do that, get them some food. He wants them to see that they don't have the resources, that they can't do it. And so they start to scurry about to figure out how they can manufacture the food for this crowd. And Andrew finds a a boy with lunch, two fishes and, and five loaves. And he brings those to to Jesus, and and Andrew says, "Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many?" This is Andrew. You know what the answer to that is? <laughs> it won't go anywhere if it depends on you guys. But Jesus wants them to know that the resources that we need for ministry are not ours, but they are His. And they belong to Him. And He owns it all. And they multiply in the hands of the disciples. But it's all owned and sourced in the Lord Jesus, our God. And so what do we have available? From God as divine resources to carry out His work of meeting needs, to bring people to the Savior, to the glory of God if you want to wrap it up in one word it would be this it would be grace what do we have as divine resources from God we have his grace lavished upon us in so many varied ways to then be loving channels into the needs that so many have John chapter 1 says from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another The Lord Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Grace, of course, is not something that we earn, is it? It's something that we receive. Now I ask you, dear friend, how many resources does our God have at His disposal To channel through us. To meet the needs of people. To bring glory to him. By bringing them to the Savior. How many resources does he have available? We make our mistake when, as I said last week, we see ourselves as manufacturers rather than distributors. We don't make it, we distribute it. And the one who gives it by his grace is the Lord God who we represent. And that's why Paul said this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. It's the last verse I'll show you, but Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9. God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You see, he supplies our needs so that we can abound in the good work of supplying the needs of others. And do so as his representatives. In the name of Jesus, we give you this cold cup of water. In the name of Jesus, we visit you in prison. In the name of the one who has liberated us, we tell you of the glorious message of liberation in the gospel. And it has credibility. Why? Because we're showing the character of the Christ that we're proclaiming with our lips. So friends, we are to be these loving channels that receive the divine resources that God has and intends to distribute through us as his people, his church, as he extends his fame into his world. We want to be a full-service church. And if we're going to be a full-service church, we need to understand the divine resources that we have at our disposal. Now, what I'd like to do over the next few weeks is continue fleshing out that definition Ministry takes place when divine resources are applied to human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this weekend and what it represents in your grace to us, your church. Thank you for these ten years Thank you for those that you have brought out of darkness into light, into relationship with the Son of God through the ministry of the people here, through the ministry of this light in darkness that is Community Baptist Church. We thank you for the great privilege of being involved in that. And Lord, we look forward with great anticipation to what you are going to do in and through us in the years ahead. We believe absolutely that Everything we need belongs to you. You know exactly what and when we need it. And Lord, we want to use the divine resources that you give to us to be your loving channels into the lives of others. Help us over these next few weeks as we study together what it means to be a church that is fully serving together and fully serving to the greatest extent possible the needs of those around us as we gain that excitement about what you've done and what you can do and are doing through us, we pray that we'll take steps forward in the mission that you've assigned to us. Lord, we love you because you first loved us, and we want to bring others to you to know the love that we experience every moment of every day. So help us to give ourselves attentively to what it is that we're studying so that we can take those next steps in the direction that you've assigned for us to bring you honor and glory. We pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.